Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Hello, my name is Dave Hannity and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 37 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Uh, just three of us this week, just how we like it. Intimate. Nice and intimate. Craig Cozy. Fitzpatrick. Anecdotal evidence, how are you? Thanks. <laughs> uh, that, that's a pretty good one. That's a good one, but I feel like there's an ominous... Uh, not really, no. I took it away from kind of the albums and the stories this week because I got bored of doing that. So <laughs> switching it up, it's I was exciting. For the theme, okay, grand. I yeah. appreciate it. Anecdotal evidence. Uh, yeah. If you're just listening to the show for the first time, by the way, uh, Craig does a nickname spin on my surname every week. It's hilarious. Fail. It's great. It, People it, it's, find us. It, it's their favorite part of the show. It's a real highlight of the so, show. Yeah. Speaking of the show, by the way, if you're, I don't know how you listen to us, listener, tell us. Uh, but. You can listen to us on Spotify Mobile now, if you have Spotify. Uh, we've been featured on there quite recently. All you got to do is type in No Encore on your phone, on your Spotify application, and hit follow, and every episode will come to you every Monday when we release them. Of course, we're also on iTunes, and, you know, rate and review us there. Not Tidal. We're not on Tidal. Not we're, on Tidal yet. We're, we're, we're in discussions. <laughs> but, uh, Cullum O'Regan, how are those discussions going? Happy Thanksgiving, Hanbury Sauce. Oh, loving it. I'm joining Spreading. just for one week And that only. was teamed. I'm good, how are you? I'm I'm overwhelmed by the the love of nicknames. <laughs> I came up with a great one before, and I remember saying to Craig, "I was like, I hope, that, I, I wonder if you'll get to the end of the year and think of and, it." And I haven't as yet. I've totally forgotten about it. Oh, okay. But you kind of being that good then. You definitely haven't. I'll I'll try and think about it pretty soon. So, um, yeah, very newsworthy kind of events and things happening by the time the last episode was recorded and kind of on that weekend. 
including Craig completing. Is it over now? The, no, it's never over. The David <laughs> well, it's Lynch, over in two weeks. <laughs> the David Lynch film season in the Lighthouse Cinema. Of course, uh, listeners will know that Craig previously went to see Lost Highway yeah. with his sister. <laughs> which turned out to be a harrowing experience for Craig yeah it really was I mean when Mulholland Drive is a nice and relaxing watch with your sister it's kind of says it all about Lost Highway Mulholland Drive uh, you went to see it on the Saturday night I did it was great I went to see it on Sunday afternoon with a hangover and it was unnerving well, yeah I can imagine with a hangover yeah <laughs> how did that treat you <laughs> uh, the bit behind the diner that people oh, who've yeah. seen the film will oh, know my God. shook me right up Great filmmaking, isn't it? Terrific. I don't know how David Lynch does what he does. Uh, it's an excellent film. It was great to see it again and great to see it on the big screen. Uh, I think, yeah, I think when you see his stuff on a big screen, you kind of remember what an amazing horror director he is. Do you know what I mean? You kind of that is lost sometimes when you watch him on a laptop or whatever. Or you've seen stuff too much. But back in that context, he's, he can do proper kind of shocks and frights. And the reason I didn't go and join you on the Saturday evening was because I had a date. You did with Cullen Morrigan. A uh, we went to see popular... I've got to call him Hanbury Sauce again now. <laughs> it seems appropriate. <laughs> Save for the bedroom. Uh, so yeah, we went to see Week of Corners. Friends of the show, Week of Corners. Are they still your friend, though? Just about. Just about? Yeah. yeah. What oh. happened? Well, uh, th- there was an issue with the guest list, shall we say. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. There was, yeah. <laughs> this is great. Or did you have to go into full, don't you know who I am mode? <laughs> no, not, not quite, because unfortunately the bouncer wouldn't have known who I was. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, neither necessarily would we go corners, uh, who called me Connor Headstuff. <laughs> Connor Headstuff? <laughs> I want that to stick. What's worse is that, like, I mean, we know for a fact that they know my name, so... <laughs> The uh, misadventures of Connor Headstuff. <laughs> so yeah, that was an inexplicable start to the evening, and uh, it was, but it was a hell of a gig. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, they were really good. Um, albeit scared my girlfriend when uh, they got off the stage and played a song in the middle of the crowd. Well, let's get to that because uh, essentially the last gig I was at in the Button Factory was East India Youth, in which uh, people wouldn't shut the fuck up. And this is kind of a common thing amongst modern gigs, or you know, maybe it was always there. But etiquette is kind of in short supply at this gig. When I went to the bar about five songs in, um, it was like there was such a hushed reverie in the crowd, and like you could like all you could hear was the barman like throwing empties into a basket and like clink. But when I kind of turned around and I was trying to get by somebody, like I walked by and I was like, "Sorry," and this person was like, "Yeah, yeah sorry, no problem." And like I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like this is this is what it should be like. It's like getting out of a pew at mouth. Very much so. It, it felt very you know kind of church like, which is appropriate given the last album was recorded in a church. Mm-hmm. And at one point, uh, you know, Connell was doing a vocal thing, and of course, nailing it with his amazing inflection. And this much guy that, like Jesus was nailed to the cross. <laughs> he's got, they got long hair as well and a beard. So fucking this guy beside me, like you know, was kind of like looking at me, and he was like kind of almost like some some stranger I don't know. And he was kind of like you know, go on, as in like you know, sing with him. And I I, I was like, I I can't compete with him, mate. Well, I'm not even going to try. But um, the I guess the kind of the cap capstone of this uh, this gig was when they announced they were done, not as a band uh, for, for the evening. They were done for the evening, and they got down to the crowd with acoustic guitars. Much like Glenn Hansard would do, and it would be awful, but it wasn't awful here. <laughs> it was great, and they stopped right beside us. Yeah, there's right beside. There's going to be like phone. There's definitely phone footage of me uh, holding a beer and like having a sip and probably sweating as the lads just fucking did this gorgeous version of of whatever from the new record, and you could hear a pin drop. It was a genuinely special moment mm-hmm. at nice. a great, great gig. Um, it was phenomenal, actually. Like a couple of songs in. You know, it was the usual kind of Irish thing of like, Colin was like, can you guys just take a couple of steps forward? And everyone did, thankfully. But then like about, I think it was two songs in, uh, he messed up the intro to a song. Like, just like, and kind of stopped. 
and John on guitar just kind of looked at him and didn't even look at the crowd and he just kind of went, what happened? <laughs> and they just went back into it. I thought it was phenomenal. I thought the set flowed incredibly well. Uh, everyone there seemed to love it. I saw like Connor O'Brien from Villagers in the crowd kind of cheering his boys on. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic, fantastic evening. Got to hang out with them afterwards at the after party. Oh, which was, so jealous. Which was fun I well. missed out, essentially. To yeah. sum up, I missed out. <laughs> I see... bought tickets because I'd been prepared <laughs> for a different That's engagement. What you get. Well, uh, the Week Corners album will definitely be in the conversation for many end-of-year lists. We'll be doing our own. Two episodes from now, we will be doing our top 20 songs of the year. And then to close out the year on No Encore, we will be doing the top 20 albums the following week. So lots for us to kind of consider going forward. But something else to consider this week. Um, I, this was kind of bubbling and building pretty much, again, just as we left the studio last week. It's since become a much bigger story. And I guess the only way to lead us into this section is... One, one, one. Shut up, Craig on Kanye. Yes, yeah, so it's Craig on Kanye. Um, it's all of us on Kanye this week, um, and it's an interesting thing because round about Friday, the day after the last pod, I was kind of you know stuff had been surfacing about what Kanye had been up to on stage, and I'd said to Dave, "There's definitely going to be a Craig on Kanye this week," um, and obviously things have developed and probably will still be developing once you know in the time between this goes out. So. All we know really at the moment is that Kanye is spending Thanksgiving in hospital. Um, he was So, yeah, basically he was hospitalised um, on Monday afternoon um, for temporary psychosis due to sleep deprivation and dehydration is the rationale that's been given um, in many media outlets. Um, but it was kind of the culmination of a couple of quite worrying gigs. Um, first was on Thursday night when people were just kind of outraged at the fact he seemed to imply he was endorsing Donald Trump. He said he hadn't voted, but he would have voted for Trump. He went on a bit of what's been called a rant about how he liked how Trump had you know, approached his campaign and basically talked quite at length while not doing a whole lot of music um, and you know coming out with a lot of kind of opinions that a lot of people weren't too fond of. Um, it didn't really seem like himself as I've spoken as he usually is and yeah two days later another gig was cut short. Um, another kind of rant this time he was talking about Jay-Z and Beyonce. He was quite upset. Um, he actually had brought Kid Cudi out. They've, they've kind of patched things up. Kid Cudi just himself out of hospital um, they did a couple of songs together. Kanye at one stage broke down in tears. Um, Kid Cudi had to kind of, you know, um, hug him and sympathize with him. So I think we were all at that stage thinking, okay, something serious is going on here. But not the internet. The internet were very much like, oh, what's going on with Kanye? Uh, at this stage, the hashtag um, Kanye is over party had begun. Um, so it was, yeah, as I, I think I said on Twitter, you know. If most major artists were on stage crying, people would be generally concerned. If it's Kanye, he just seemed to get either kind of disgust or contempt or people found it hilarious. So that's kind of where we're at. He also cut that gig short, which led a lot of people to kind of chant, fuck you, Kanye, in the arena. And like, you know, to be fair, I totally understand the frustrations of anybody who goes to a concert and something like that happens. But that's not the reaction. No matter how pissed off you are, that's not the reaction. Like, I mean, like, yes, all three of us are Kanye West fans. We talk about Kanye West on the show quite a lot. Some people would think we talk about him too much, and I totally understand that as well. However, quite frankly, like, no. I mean, like, we he's a compelling generation kind of defining artist for me. And I do yeah. feel like that, you know, it'll take a long time, but the day will come when people look back on him and go, he was brilliant. He was amazing. He was different. He was incredible. I mean, iconoclast people like Bowie and, you know, fucking, you know, like Elton John, like people of their era who were who stood out as different figures, Kurt Cobain, you know, like whoever. I mean, I don't know at that moment if they had a lot of people kind of being like, well, fuck this guy. 
but ultimately they seem to be beloved looking back through history and it is kind of one of the things when like when a household name and kind of even someone like whose first name is is as big as Kanye West is it's just amazing to me that, that he's not held up in the conversation that way now granted he's very brash he's very outspoken he's outwardly arrogant he's all these things and i can totally understand why that was why that would put people off it put me off for years and i don't agree with everything that he says of course i do not think he's infallible and i don't agree as well that you know um just because you turn around and it's revealed that you have mental health issues that automatically makes you infallible and a perfect you know person it doesn't and that's not what people that's not what we're saying but I don't agree when someone's like, oh, you know, I read, you know, like, I, lo- I love the podcast, but I-, I wish you wouldn't talk about Kanye West. It was like, well, why the fuck not? And I mean, fan or not, he is newsworthy and he is interesting. This isn't very And, and no, Colm like, spent a lot of time on that jingle. <laughs> that has to be said. No, but I, I, I think it, it talks about prevailing attitudes. I mean, the amount of mockery he has received from radio stations, from, you know, kind of like fucking people on Twitter. News outlets. Yeah, it's been it's been. And it does call into question the double standard of like, well, you know, we, you know, we think that this person who has mental health issues is fine and we should be compassionate towards them. But no, fuck you, Kanye West. You're famous and you're arrogant and you're, you know, a walking id that's kind of turned up to 11. I I think part of the issue here is the difficulty that people have parsing the sort of Kanye West that they knew and in many cases did not like. Um, with a Kanye West who is quite clearly struggling with health issues. Um, because, you know, despite the the ease of saying, well, look, you know, he he's clearly going through something now, and so we have to look at it in a different light. When you look at things on paper, there's a lot of reason to actually have difficulty in sort of drawing a line between, say, a 2013 concert where he walked off stage and then came back on and compared himself to the Wright brothers, Thomas Edison and Nelson Mandela, because they had haters during the height of his success. And walking off stage and delivering rants in the past couple of weeks. For some people, it is going to be difficult to actually look at that and see sort of, you know, my attitude should change 180 because of something new that's come to light. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's correct, but sure, and that again, is and, sort uh, of the and, and again, and, and, and it doesn't necessarily give the person a clean slate. And and there's haters for everybody. I mean, fucking Coldplay, you know, the most inoffensive, like okay, offensive musically on more than one occasion. Uh, you know, what are people who are like, well, fuck these guys as well? It's just like it's this, it's this kind of thing, and it's kind of like you know what, what I wrote about when I wrote about Justin Bieber recently, and it's like this attitude of like famous people can't have empathy. You know, you can't have empathy or sympathy for famous people because they have everything that they could ever possibly need and want, don't they? No, yeah. they fucking don't. Uh, th- there was an interesting uh, Dave Chappelle clip doing the rounds yeah. on social media where he talks about labeling people as crazy, um, uh, particularly kind of major artists and, you know, celebrities. And he says, these people aren't crazy. First of all, it's the most dismissive thing you can say to someone, which it really is. Even you're basically the word, saying, the word rant that you yeah, you're basically you're saying this person is broken fundamentally. Like it kind of invalidates everything that they're doing, doesn't it? It really, it really is a horrible word. Um, but he, his major point was just about like the, the industry and the pressures on people and maybe sometimes who they're surrounded by. But I, it was quite apparent that there was something different about this weekend with Kanye. Um, because he, even when he's ranting and he's got an opinion and he's taking people off, 
what he usually doesn't do even if he leaves a gig and then has to come back is he, I don't think he's ever just walked off and completely left his fans in the lurch it's not something he does he puts a huge amount of effort quite clearly because of his exhaustion into his shows he is all about the fans he does for someone that's supposed to be this walking kind of id seem to have a lot of appreciation for the impact his music and his art has on other people and lifting their mood so this was really out of sorts and yeah then you hear on Monday that he's being hospitalised against his will um, not in the right frame of mind it's quite you know upsetting really I mean I was upset when I heard the news it's extremely upsetting and it's, it's, it's this thing where it's like granted you know you live your life in the public eye you do what you do you're, you know you're, you're so out there that you're, you're not going to get privacy you know that's understandable, but I mean, like, <clears throat> ultimately, this is a very human issue, and this is what it comes down to. At the end of the day, Kanye West is a man. He is a human being. He's 39 years of age. He has a wife and he has kids. And despite the fact that he can be completely over the top and in your face, he's still a fucking human being at the end of the day with a brain and with a heart. And I mean, like, a lot of people struggle. Like, that's just part of life. I mean, when I was 18 years of age, I dropped out of secondary school and I checked myself into a psychiatric hospital because I didn't want to kill myself. I believed at that point in my life that I would. And thankfully, I haven't really felt that hardcore about it ever again and i spent two weeks in a very remote area in dublin and ultimately i realized pretty quickly that i didn't need to be there not so much that i didn't need to be there but that this wasn't where i should be and i didn't feel like i fit in even when i was there like it wasn't a particularly happy experience but ultimately it did lead me to kind of gain perspective on life and it, it led me to go back and finish school and carry on with that and do different things and move forward in life and I've gained a lot of confidence in recent years but you still struggle. I mean like I, I don't know what my quote unquote you know like status is. I don't know. I mean you know like it's very difficult to know exactly what is quote unquote wrong with you. Yeah. And I'm just a guy, you know, I'm just a fucking music journalist, that's me. Whereas someone like Kanye West is this gigantic thing who is constantly doing things. I mean, the word exhaustion didn't surprise me in the least, because he's extended his tour, he's always trying to do 17 million things at once, I wonder if the guy ever fucking sleeps. It's interesting you mentioned the issue of perspective, because... You know, at the end of the day, I think, let's face it, a lot of the fans, a lot of the radio stations and stuff that are commenting on this, you know, they also are people with, with hearts and, and brains and are probably, like I say, just struggling to kind of get their heads around some of these stuff. And you can see why it's been made difficult. And by no means is this an original issue. I mean, a couple of months ago, something not dissimilar happened to Selena Gomez when she was checked into uh, a rehab facility suffering from kind of anxiety issues regarding her diagnosis with lupus. Mm -hmm, And within a couple of days, it was sort of alleged that it was covering up for a drug addiction. Yeah, And I think it's partially just because we've become so accustomed to this sort of like, stage-managed, quote-unquote, reality that when actual real life rears up, yeah, it seems very difficult for people to process. And, you know, when you talk about being stage-managed, one thing Kanye West has never been is really stage-managed. Um, and, Dave, when you refer to someone like Kurt Cobain, I think, you know, while he's a totally different personality to someone like Kurt Cobain, the thing that I think draws people to Kanye West is the same as the reason people like idolize Kurt Cobain so much. It's there's this kind of feeling that okay, he's being honest. He's just kind of having it. It's all out there. It's, there's an authenticity that you kind of don't get a lot of the time. With Kanye, that means he's completely unfiltered the whole time, and that must bring bring its own stress when you're putting that into every show. There's no, it's so many like the bl- lines are so blurred between his entertainment and his real life and his feelings and his emotions that it just amplifies everything. I, I, I'd imagine. 
I mean, like a song that was doing the rounds with people who were supporting Kanye in this moment was uh, I Feel Like That, which was kind of the B-side to All Day, uh, which actually had escaped my attention. I'd never heard it before. And it's fucking incredible. Uh, really, really kind of different for him. And it's very, it's a confessional. And it's pretty much, uh, you know, it's one of these things where like in hindsight, true, you can go, oh, well, look, there it was all along. And obviously there's references to him taking Lexapro and having anxiety issues on the life of Pablo. It's a beautiful, beautiful song, this, uh, I feel like that. And it's very candid and naked and it's pretty much just him saying that i have all these issues a lot of people do as well and it makes me you know kind of feel like i relate to the guy even more as i'm sure it does for a lot of fans as well i really really hope that he gets the help that he seems to need and that this current period of his life leads to some harmony and yeah i mean like to be fair there has been of course a lot of support as well it hasn't just been people like taking shots and anyone who has been taking shots is a fucking idiot yeah and there was nobody yeah. terribly high profile about it but it was just it really fucking galled me to wake up that morning Piers morgan well <laughs> fucking yeah. worst yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean um, like there's a lot of that kind of stuff but, but I, um, it's really i just found it really galling to wake up and be like you know hear someone on the radio be like like laughing and you're just like i get it i know this guy's a wrestling heel but this is not the fucking time. Yeah. But no, there's been lots of high profile support. Lady Gaga uh, was was somebody uh, Pusha T, who yeah, well, uh, the anniversary of um, your favorite Kanye album, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Yeah, it was um, just a couple of days ago, and he wrote a kind of really nice tribute to Kanye, and basically about the kind of effort Kanye put into making Pusha T realize his own potential. And during those recording sessions in Hawaii, basically finish up saying we really it's time we all go back to Hawaii essentially. Um, and then you've Chance, who was supposed to be playing here, and cancelled his tour. So, by all accounts, he could go back and um, see Kanye. I mean, he was talking about him on BBC Radio. He was offering up prayers for him. So he seemed quite obsessed. Uh, he cancelled his uh, two Irish dates. Yeah. His, his his last UK date. He cancelled this uh, at midnight uh, thereabouts. At least that's when it was released by the produ- uh, the promoters. Uh, for like the the Wednesday show in the Helix and the Friday show in the Helix. And yeah, people are not happy. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that in terms of cancelling the shows. Mm. Like, did he... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's a lovely gesture. It's going to cost a lot of money. It's right? going to cost him a lot of money. Did he need to go back to see his friend? Is that I definitely... Don't know. But like, this is, again, maybe a lot of speculation. Like, is maybe this actually not. what's happening? He could be having his I own I think issues. people are... Yeah, maybe it's a you know, two plus two But it does. Five. I mean, okay, well, the chance thing here, if there is something up, the Kanye West thing, which is obviously a gigantic issue at the moment, and, you know, you reference, you reference Kid Cody, you reference Selena Gomez, it does bring about a conversation that perhaps hasn't been had so much in the last kind of 10, 20, 30, 40 years when it comes to musicians, when it comes to celebrities, when it comes to people in the entertainment industry, is that the barrier that it can exist in moments of total vulnerability, which is filtered through news sites and filtered through people who have to kind of talk about it for two minutes on the radio or whatever else. Ultimately, it's a case of, I think it's a learning experience to to try and, you know, use it as a, you know, like a kind of a contextual tool. But at the end of the day, I know Kanye West is annoying to a lot of people. I know people are furious about him, but I'd like to think that in this situation, we'd all hope that he fucking just gets a bit better. Yeah. 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 That's the bottom line, really. Um, Brief update on a former Kanye collaborator. Um, and he was mentioned on Life Pablo. Uh, Yasin Bey, formerly known as Most Death, uh, is... Out of South Africa. 
Um, he has unreservedly apologised to the government uh, where he had been detained uh, since January all, after travelling to the country year, man. Uh, using a world passport issued by uh, the Pro-Freedom of Movement World Service Authority. Yeah, I didn't even know Which few countries recognise as legal documents. <laughs> Shockingly. Yeah, it's like going to a club with a note from your dad. <laughs> Have you ever done that? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I imagine it would go some way like this. Um, yeah. It's funny you should mention Dave Chappelle earlier. There's there's airs of Chappelle about this, albeit involuntary, um, where Yassin Bey has, has said now that you know he's he's leaving music behind, leaving film behind. Um, oh yeah, that he, he he does seem to have found some sort of spiritual place, I guess, um, be, beyond his his professional um, output. Yeah, he's a he's a very deep soul, an interesting guy, um, a, a decent actor as well. Very good, yeah, actor. very good actor. Yeah, yeah, very um, good actor. So there's plenty of things he can turn his hand to. He's obviously stepped away from that spotlight for, for again, maybe because of the pressures that come with that kind of thing. Um, you Maybe you just don't have to do it till you drop dead. Um, <laughs> you know, there's always different avenues people can go. Reasonable. And it seems like he, he's just kind of gone a different path. But um, good to see that he's <laughs> out of South Africa. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's It's been a strange time for a lot of people in the world of music. Uh, it's quite strange when you see some of the gigs that are happening in in, uh, in Dublin. Yeah, we're I not mean, getting chance. We're not getting chance, but we're getting Crazy Town in the <laughs> opium rooms in January. If you don't know who Crazy Town are, this is what they sound like. Come my lady, come, come my lady, you're my butterfly, sugar, baby. Come my lady, come, come my lady, you're my butterfly, sugar, did not need to be reminded of that in every sense it's kind of a tune tune. (laughs) yeah it's a bit of a tune yeah could have got through the night without it that's all i'm saying shifty shell shock man shifty shell shock uh who has been on four separate reality five times in a row shifty shell shock 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 that is impressive Nailed uh, it. He's been on four or five different uh, reality TV shows about rehab and, you know, having addictions. So, you know, people too, remember that. Well, yeah. speaking of issues arising from a reality show, uh, The Game, who is on his way to the right venue. I'm sorry, what did you just say there? The Game. Is on his way to, to the swords. Right venue. <laughs> what the fuck? Pitching is... up in swords. <laughs> former 50 on? Cent rival, you know, The Game. I don't know himself and Conor McGregor are probably hanging out there, but... He, and this is the thing, this gig was uh, confirmed during the week with, uh, it's, what is it, 327 euro tables? Bottle service. Yeah, Yeah. 327 euro 50, uh, I I think that includes your booking fee, in which that gives you six tickets to see the game. Okay. uh, And it gives you a table and a bottle of either Hennessy or Grey Goose. (laughs) Right, so all of this... (laughs) need more than that to get through tonight. (laughs) All of this is going on uh, just a couple of days after... He was uh, charged and indeed convicted of sexual assault uh, in an Illinois court and ordered to pay uh, $7 million, $7.13 million, uh, the judgment totaled in the end. Uh, It rose rose from his reality show, She Got Game, which is good, I have to say, um, (laughs) where a a contestant had accused him of sexually assaulting her on numerous occasions by all accounts. Now, I really don't feel that good about this. I know. I mean, I know timing is unfortunate uh, here, but you've got a guy convicted of sexual assault and ordered to pay seven point something million on Monday. And on mm. Tuesday, we're being offered a way to kind of chip in with his legal it's bill. It's fucked up, isn't it? It's it is. very wrong. 
It is. And we've seen this th- this over the years with, you know, maybe Chris Brown, certainly, or Kelly, and things that have, you know, swirled around him. It's that thing of when do you distinguish, you know, the art from what the person making the art has done. In this case, as Colm says, you're very much supporting someone that's just been, you know, found guilty of doing something just just absolutely egregious and filling his pockets. Um, so, you know, of course, timing is a weird one. Possibly the right venue weren't up to speed on this. Um but I know I wouldn't be going to that gig, even if he has two good songs. Yeah, I think, I mean, we talked about double standards as far as Kanye West is concerned. This is the ultimate when you have people who are concerned about, you know, how Donald Trump treats women and yeah. women's rights in general. Uh, that anyone would be supporting the game at this moment is um, is highly concerning indeed. But you just know that there will be a crowd at his gigs. Well, and this is there the always thing. is. Chris Brown songs come on the fucking club and people go crazy for it. He so he played the fucking three arena this year. Yeah. yeah well, before today's show, we contacted the right venue and the right bar group uh, by phone and by email. There was no response by the time uh, we went to air. But uh, I guess this is the spot where we're going to drop an update in. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the future. Uh, in the interest of fairness, we said we'd leave as much time as possible for the right venue or the right bar group to respond to us on this issue. Uh, we called and emailed both a few days ago. It's now Sunday, just a couple of hours before this podcast is released, and we've heard nothing. Disappointing, of course, but surprising, probably not. In fact, there's something sadly familiar about questions regarding sexual assault being greeted with silence. There's more on the story on the website, headstuff.org, but lots more in studio too, so it's back to me. Thanks, Future Column. Solid update there from Future Column. I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> chances are, though, it's not the last that we'll be talking about this well, one. Well, no, the game um, is going to be making an appeal, so... Well, to his court case, yeah, I was more talking about the gig in the right venue, but... How much do you know about the game? Have you read know interviews that, with him? Do you I know, know him that, as a bloke? I know that he uh, apparently... I know he's rap's MVP. He tried he to start... Going nowhere, he, so you should get to he know He has him. LA tattooed in his face, and he tried to start a feud with Triple H over the name The Game. Yeah. He also started a feud with 50 Cent, which involved him being filmed for a DVD that actually came out that people could buy. And the feud consisted of him outside 50 Cent's mansion, not being able to get in, just going, yeah, screw you, 50 Cent. Like, it was really pathetic. Um, But yeah, he just seems to take the whole, you know... um, gangster thing a little further than maybe the likes of 50 Cent that are kind of in on the joke at this point um, and also you know it, like sexual assault while shooting scenes for his own reality show yeah. not going to get caught are you like well, <laughs> he was previously on a different reality show as well did you know about this no he was on one of these kind of US like sub Jerry Springer things before he was famous oh wow I can't think of the name of it I don't know if there's a clip on the internet, but it it was essentially kind of like about relationship problems, and they had to hold up signs saying like "stay together" or like "ditch him" or something like that. He was ditched. There's clips online. Check it out. Well, you know, if you're listening, the game, you can always let us know what you think, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, ignore you. No, no, I mean, like, it's a horrible story. It's a horrible story all around, and yeah, I mean, I think Triple H wins this one as the best game out there. Sure, yeah. <laughs> two weeks in a row with mentions for Triple H. Uh, quickly, before we finish up the news segment, something that at least qualifies as happy Yay, news. Yay, cheers up. Uh, from, for which we have to turn outside the world of hip-hop, it seems. Not a happy week no, in hip-hop, no, it seems. No. Really, by all accounts. Uh, Kate Bush has given her first interview in uh, five years. Um, amongst the more notable uh, things were the fact that uh, she denies... Uh, the reputation as a recluse and a hermit. Yeah, and I think the the interviewer actually makes a good point where 
he he says kind of you know if there was a plumber that didn't go to plumber conventions and like talk about all his plumbing you wouldn't call him a reclusive plumber yeah. like she seems quite you know you can talk to her she's grand she like will go down to the shops she gets on with her life she's not really a recluse she just doesn't look for kind of publicity and she seems to have stayed relatively kind of well t- together in terms of where she's at in her life she seems happy she's doing kind of projects at her own pace and you know spending a lot of time over them as she has with i mean this interview was for this live album that's coming out um before the dawn it's recordings from that london residency she did two years ago now um and she spent a lot of time getting it just right didn't go with a dvd because she didn't think it would work um well, dvd is dead mate medium yeah <laughs> so we've heard um but it's a really inter- interesting interview and one you should probably check out she did talk about prince as well and her friendship with the late Prince um, just indeed pointing out yeah that while she was working on an album yeah. he'd have done two world tours a couple of albums a film yeah yeah so you know very different approaches but two huge artists from the 80s and still to this day Kate Bush doing amazing stuff indeed that record is well worth a listen we'll be talking mm. about it a little later on yeah um, first though some songs worth checking out from the week that has passed and the first one uh, from just down the road really it's Dublin's own Hair Squared and Her Side Story Every time you see me know we by the side We don't need to pop no beans no we still have a good time Let's see make it right for me Yeah, they were the first Irish band announced for Eurosonic uh, in January. This is uh, their newest single, Her Side Story. They've kind of got a lot of press and a lot of reputation as being kind of a genre-bending collective and so forth. What do you make of it? Yeah, I mean, from what I've heard of them in general, which isn't a huge amount, I haven't really... I mean, I've heard the hype, of course. Their live show is apparently amazing. Um, Big draw. But yeah, the genre bending, of course, they have a huge amount of influences. There's a lot of stuff poured in there. It doesn't sound terribly kind of, you know, innovative or challenging, but it does sound good from what I've heard. And yeah, I actually I mean, really I'm, like this track, yeah. I must agree, yeah. It's not like some sort of clusterfuck mashup or whatever. No, but, it's but, kind of a but, nice but R&B. That is to their credit, yeah. yeah. It's a pretty coherent R&B track and yeah, I quite like it. I did know this band prior to their major label signing because... Oh, yes. The last time my band played a gig... They were on the same bill. This was for a state uh, thing a couple of years ago. And yeah, so this is another round of Dave played with musicians who went on to become better at music. You're a kingmaker. (laughs) Than than him. Midas touch. They were there. And I remember like, you know, we sound checked. They were sound checking. And at one point, one of them was like, hey, you know, you hanging around? You're going to watch the band? And I was like, I'm in one of the bands. But yeah, I'll totally hang on for yourself. Um and they were fun. They were really good. Yep. You could tell they had kind of they, they had the charisma down for sure. I saw them on Hard Working Class Heroes the following year. So about a year and a half had passed or thereabouts. And they were again very, very good. They had a lot more kind of members on stage. Like it's a trio, but they, they have more members like when they do live. Yeah. Uh, at least they did then anyway. And you know, what I came away from that night, I was like, they have charisma for days. They have tremendous stage presence. They have moments which are obviously choreographed, but done well, where they mm. kind of like, you know, oh, the song stops and someone's fucked up, but they haven't really. And sorry, I'm pulling back the curtain there, lads. <laughs> um, but what I thought was they don't have the songs. 
Okay. I really felt that they didn't have the songs sure. at the time. And to be fair, you know, burgeoning outfit, like, you know, there's all the time in the world. They got signed, and I was like, okay, interesting, because there was a lot of buzz about them. Likes of State, Likes of Another Nine, and a few others were kind of really pushing them. And they released their first song off, I guess, what will be a record, I suppose, for this label, and I was really underwhelmed. Uh, it was kind of very dancey and didn't really move me at all. The track after that was good. Uh, definitely step in the right direction. This, however, I think is very good. This yeah. is really, really strong. The opening, the kind of the the hook that runs through it, that kind of uh, even like like the, the little kind of production on, on the vocals as well is fucking beautiful. It's lovely. It's so instantly infectious. Yeah, there's such command here. Uh, I do not agree that this is genre defying. I mean, no. like, like uh, Pigeons and Planes uh, premiered this this week, and like the write up itself. I mean, Jesus Christ, it must have been written by one of their fucking family because you were just like, this is a bit over the top. They were like, you know, really pushing the limits. Like, you, we can't even describe what this song sounds like. And what's funny is they're like, you know, when we talked to them earlier this year, they told us that they're uh, they came up listening to Kanye West, Kid Cudi, and Lil Wayne, but they were also into acts like Green Day, yeah. Pharrell. <laughs> And gym class heroes. You're like, I'm, I'm hearing a little Pharrell. I don't know if right it's Green off Day. the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw exactly like Vivaldi or you know like Vangelis. You're like fair enough. You know like like cool. But this is really good. I'm hearing Pharrell for sure. I'm hearing Frank Ocean. I'm mm. hearing kind of like that kind of influence. But I mean, we talked last week about that Mango track, and I think Josh was saying that a lot of rappers in Dublin and hip hop artists in Dublin take their cues from the West Coast and that kind of thing. Mm. And don't put their stamp on it. Yeah. I think these guys are very close to doing so. And this is a very impressive song. And I'm now very much into hearing what they do next, when I wasn't really before. Yeah, absolutely. And like we say, yeah, they're off to Groningen in January, which has traditionally been something of a strip springboard for young Irish acts. So mm. uh, fingers crossed it can do good things for them. Um, someone else who's making strides in the world of Warren B are remaking strides, I guess, after a little bit of time away is Angel Hayes. She brought in a new track this week. It's called Resurrection. Sounds like this. You a broke bitch. I don't relay, relay. Before I even show up, they got a prepaid, prepaid. Million time running out, bitch. Relay, relay, relay. I just bought an island while in crib so big. They doubled up the broker's fee. Bitches see me park or go wide and be screaming, hey, Professor Ogilvy. Ex is flexing, sex and texting. I don't really care. Cop me a cold piece. I just let my shit get so strong. Can't nobody here hold me. Yeah, a little bit of time away from the spotlight and now firmly back. Uh, the song is called Resurrection. There's definitely a clue in the title. Uh, Dave, how are you feeling about this one? Uh, a friend of mine, I linked this to him after I'd heard it and I was like, what do you think? And his reaction was, good luck doing it live. Uh, which I think is interesting because there's a lot going on here. There is. Uh, she is great. I'm a big fan. I think she's fucking excellent. I'm glad to have her back. And this is a very good step in the right direction. It's brash as all hell, as you would expect w- w- with the accompanying artwork. And which, you know, I, I can't even begin to describe. It's, you know, it's religious icon- uh, iconography baiting, mm. I guess would be the best way to describe it. Uh, no, she just has fucking attitude for days. She's great. And this is absolutely what I wanted to hear from her. It's a brilliant comeback track as well because you can almost hear the urgency as it were, you, you, she sounds like she's been pawing the ground to get back yeah. in front of a mic for a long time. She just has great confidence and she's so kind of at ease on the mic. Um, you know, just the way she switches up her flow constantly. She's talked about, you know, wanting to be 
compared to the likes of, say, Pac or Kendrick. And certainly, yeah, if this is a comeback track, it reminds me of that, you know, post-jail Pac California love thing where she's just right out of the gates. Uh, she said herself she just doesn't give a fuck anymore. And she's talked about the kind of mental health issues she's had herself and the kind of pressure she's felt to maybe conform to certain, I don't know, hip-hop standards or whatever are just be a different person and she's just said no fuck that I'm going to do my own thing and it's great <laughs> like she's very good inevitably you get kind of standard comparisons as you tend to in any of these write-ups that you see accompanying a new track particularly by female artists and of course the word Rihanna wasn't far from some of the ones I read and I can understand that but at the same time this is fucking streets ahead of it that Rihanna's oh by doing. a mile yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I mean I, yeah I wouldn't be against Rihanna's music by any means no not at all I thought she doesn't have flow like this no not at all but I, I think it's more like the vocal inflection I guess yeah. but like, and that is you know as we know as you know, we've done it you know like, like you've written like this person sounds like this because sure. you're told to and you're kind of <laughs> supposed to in some cases even if you try and avoid it but no an excellent comeback track and yeah bodes well two for two this week guys uh, how do we feel about this next track though uh, Theophilus London who was heard on Kanye's uh, All Day the amazing Brit Awards performance in which Taylor Swift was mesmerised by, yeah. by, by, by the situation <laughs> she fell in love with him all over again <laughs> and she had no idea what was to come Lionel Richie was bemused that night it was a simper time a happier time it was a happier time <laughs> Uh, he's back and in tow an interesting person Ariel Pink who Craig has previous with not personally (laughs) let's have a quick listen this is called Revenge Tell us about your beef with Ariel Pink. I have a major beef with I'm Ariel kidding. Pink. I love some of his stuff. It did sound though. like you'd had a punch it up. Did, with your I phrased it wrong. Um, round and Round is one of the songs of the last 10 years, it's I think. It's fantastic. Um, and actually, Mark Conroy and Head of Stuff Music wrote an excellent article about it, which you should check out now, listener. Yeah, I guess he's kind of, if you're going to call something outsider pop, this guy is producing it, Ariel Pink. Um, he does have those sensibilities, but he just skews them and me- messes with them so much that you end up with this very strange, sometimes disconcerting kind of sound. Um, he's definitely gone more mainstream, but he's cleaned up his act. And like it's it's not just stuff recorded straight to tape with one microphone in his bedroom anymore. Um, and the reason I keep talking about Ariel Pink is because this is, just sounds like an Ariel Pink track. We're not getting <laughs> much of Theo on this bad boy, are we? I mean, no. vocally we are, but he's not stamping his, you know, making his mark on it. And I think it's a, it, it's a little bit too little as well, because, like, I mean, this is kind of soaked in, like, those 80s synth pop vibes. Yeah, very new but, wave Yeah, but almost a little less dynamic than you'd expect from the 80s originals, as it were. Yeah. Um, you know, you wonder if there's not another level that this can be taken to, if if that's kind of the al- angle that you're going to be taking. I don't necessarily agree. I know it's slight, but I think that's the point. And I kind of feel like if you want to go in this direction, well, then keep it brief. What I love about this track is the immediacy. And it kind of gets to those hooks very, very quickly. It gets to the chorus very, very quickly. Uh, reminiscent of TLC's Waterfalls. I oh, found. yeah. I was going to say, yes. Um, nailed it. Totally yeah. is, yeah. Which, uh, which like, I was like, I'm, I'm in. This is fucking great. <laughs> uh, a bit of Huey Lewis in the news in there as well. Never a bad thing. Never a bad thing. Well, sometimes it's This bad is, honestly, I love this track. However, I know what you're saying, Colm, and I agree. It ain't going to end with my tracks of the year. I'll probably forget about it. But as a, you know, three or, three or four minute little dance... I'm very into it. I think it's very, very accomplished and a lot of fun. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where Theophilus goes with his uh, album because, I mean, he has had a lot of hype around him. Vibes, which was kind of his executive produced by Kanye. I mean, the production was apparently amazing. I haven't heard it myself, but the reviews were kind of saying, yeah, but maybe his own kind of style or his own stuff isn't amazing. So maybe he's a guy with better taste than he has flow. I don't know. Funny that we should mention, where is he going to go with his album? Because there's been a lot of hype. Uh, also, maybe not a song of the year, but maybe something worth listening to. John Father John Misty uh, reappeared this week uh, with a track called Holy Hell. Take a listen. Hell, holy hell, holy hell. Damn, the future ain't looking so bright. Never asked for a paradise Seventy years would be nice My brothers and sisters and I The impossible dream of man Right, so probably not the most well-disguised subject matter and yeah. inspiration from Father John Misty there. Um, what do we make of it? We're very much into the post-Trump era. Um, this reminded me of something like Bored in the USA. Um, and he's an mm. artist well-positioned to tackle this kind of subject matter with, you know, in a wry way with great lines. Uh, I don't know... <laughs> I don't know. It's an interesting kind of... Maybe it's just something he felt he had to get off his chest. I don't think it's probably going to say much about an album that's coming up. And I don't know if it, it was all that amazing. It didn't blow me away. It had some amazing lines. His voice is, ever, is great, but mm. it's kind of simple tune. Yeah, um, bits of it are a little clumsy I'm, lyrically. Yeah, I'm wondering what Dave makes of it because you were kind of big against the kind of protest music surrounding Trump. So when Father John Misty does it, how do you, how'd you feel? Well... I'm going to sidestep that one for a second <laughs> oh, okay. and discuss the idea of. I think if you looked up the word sketch in a dictionary, this is what you should be. This should be playing because, like, yeah. when, in a musical dictionary, if you will, because he's. This is what he's been doing this year. He he's brought out about three songs or so this year, all of which just sound like they're not really songs, but mm. they're fine. It sounds like you know a stream of consciousness from him. This in particular, production wise, in particular, sounds like it was recorded on a Sunday afternoon as a mate of his was hanging around his gaff. Uh, because there's shuffling going on in it, like it's him at a piano, it just feels like he walked over to his piano and just like sat down and here's what he was thinking. Sure. I don't feel like a lot went into this, and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. As regards the whole protest angle, I mean, to clarify, I'm not against protest music at all, I just think that it can be a bit wishy-washy, uh, and in, in this regards, this is fine, this feels like a state, a state of you know, state of the nation address from Father John Misty about how he's feeling right now. Now, it raises the question, is this what we want? Is this what we want from our artists in general? Is this what we want from Father John Misty? Do we want our artists to turn around and go, I knocked this out today in two hours, you know, I was just mm-hmm. bored, I did it, here it is. Does it demystify him? Does it make you, does, does it water down the, the catalogue? No, it- I don't think so. I mean, like, put it this way, if it was a toss-up between him throwing this out there now or him taking it into a studio, re-recording it, producing it properly, getting guest vocalists and guest musicians, blah, blah, blah and then bringing it out in two months' time, it's far preferable that he just dumps it on SoundCloud now. Yeah. I don't- Is it, though? Oh, yeah. Like, Why? Well, because there's, like I say, I mean, it's clearly addressing a particular moment. 
Okay, and fair enough. Yeah, it's very up the now, and as I say, uh, yeah, I don't expect this to feature on any album. No, I and just normally it definitely yeah, it's, should. It's, it's, it, should it, it is very sketchy. I mean, it doesn't. It probably the length of time that was taken to record it, it will probably live that long in a memory. I'm guessing. Yeah, it's something that I've also said about Father John Misty before that you know, for a guy who always seems to have a, a raised eyebrow or a, a wry smile somewhere, when he's comforting you as he does in this song, you're almost just thinking like. <laughs> Is he being serious? Well, this is another thing. Like, where does he go with that persona? Because obviously he's been very heartfelt about his relationship with his wife and stuff. But does he completely sidestep the mischievous thing and go... Synth-pop. It'll just be interesting to see where he goes with that voice. He goes synth pop. He, he goes synth pop. He breaks yeah. out the keytar. He could go just about anywhere. And speaking of a guy who probably did have just about every path open to him, we've probably got a little more of an idea of where he's going now. By the time this pod drops, you'll have heard the album... And coming next week, we will be talking about The weekend. We will. He's dropped two songs in the past week. I Feel It Coming and Party Monster. Uh, here's I Feel It Coming. And uh, yeah, our review is coming in seven days' time. You've been scared of love and what it did to you. You don't have to run. I know what you've been through. Just a simple touch and it can set you free. You don't have to rush when you're alone with me. So what do you make of this? And there's another track called Party Monster, which is of a much different vibe, dropped at the same time. Yeah, I feel it coming, um, produced by Daft Punk, and it's great. Yeah. It's great. It's making me think because they've also had their hand in Starboy that they sh- had a, should have just had the whole album and like free reign, just do what you want with Big Abel. Um, because I think it sounds great. Uh, Party Monster is serviceable for me. It's okay, but I think this is the jam. Yeah, the the really interesting question that comes into my mind now is that we've had four singles from this album, and clearly this album is not going to go track one, two, three, four. Starboy, False Alarm, I Feel It Coming, Party Monster. I Feel It Coming closes the record. Because they yeah. are leaping about so much. So yeah. it's basically how are we going to get from yeah. this track to that track in terms of these two songs and the two that we've heard before. Basically, this album, yeah, there, there could be an awful lot of dots to join, yeah. basically, when, when it's there as an entity. Absolutely. And ordinarily, I'd be very, very wary and reticent of an 18-track record. In this situation where we've had four tracks come out, kind of almost like two at a time, two at a time, as you say, it unlocks the mystery of it all a little bit more. I think Party Monster is the better track, no. having spent a week with it. You're wrong. I feel it coming is great fun, but is it doing anything that Daft Punk haven't done before? And Starboy is much better. And Starboy, by the way, it goes, Craig and I, Craig it goes, and I it goes Craig. Starboy, it goes I Feel It Coming, it goes Party Monster, and it goes False Alarm. Well, we are going to get into the record in more depth Let's do it next now. week. We haven't heard it now. Instead, uh, we will talk away. about an album that we have heard. Sure, let's do that. It's also just out uh, last Friday. Funeral Suits have said that this is their final act. They've already said goodbye, but um, they've given us a parting gift. Is it worth your time? Islands Apart is the name of the album. And this is what it sounds like.
That is Tree of Life, slightly different version than the single that was released earlier this year. It is taken from Islands Apart, the second and final album from Funeral Suits. Friends of the show, of course, and it was not long after they appeared with us, unfortunately, that they announced uh, that they would be calling it a day. Not our fault. It should quickly be added. Nothing to do with the fact that they were here. Um, This is, I guess, yeah, their parting gift to us. Craig, what do you make of it? Yeah, it's um, it, it's a sad, it's a bittersweet thing because it's such an enjoyable album. You feel there's times in this record where you go, oh, the potential of this band. Um, but yeah, it it is kind of the whole mood of the album is that bittersweet thing. I mean, you wouldn't say it's a kind of victory lap. It's kind of like a hard fought victory, though. Um, and they spent a lot of time working on this. Clearly. You don't get the sense that, you know, it's been four years since the debut record. You don't think, okay, they've been, you know, trying to cobble something together. They've been hitting blocks. They seem to have been having difficulties actually getting it out. But creatively, there hasn't been a problem by all accounts. Maybe it's just like that kind of rush of creativity was getting diverted. Don't really know the kind of, you know, the ins and outs of behind the scene. But this is a great record. Um, I've always liked them as a band. I think in terms of the Irish scene, they're one of the few. I mean, I'd look to someone like Girl Band as well that has this kind of very exciting kind of wild thing to them that means they could really, you know, punch above their weight and, you know, make a splash elsewhere, which they have done. I mean, their fi- videos really took off around the world and were kind of viral hits. Um, and they don't sound like an Irish band to me. There's no, something quite European it. to them. Bjorkish almost at times. Which is yeah, like the ultimate That would make but sense. There's a European kind of feel th- to it, an ice cold thing. Yeah, they did turn to Iceland for um, their producer, or at least uh, the man who made his name with Sigur Rós. Uh, Jochen Schmalbach was the guy behind the desk for this. And yeah, it I'm does have that. It. it does also have that real coherence throughout the album, doesn't yes. it? You know, it's, it, it's a particular sound that very much runs through it. But also, you know, lyrically. I think emotionally throughout this album and, and it's funny that you were talking about you know yeah that there's probably a creative rush at some times because this album in the best way possible sounds like it could have been done in a very short space of time that yeah. it's that tight knit as it were and that it's all that interwoven that it kind of gives me those thoughts I'm really frustrated listening to this because I'm, it just kind of really confirms as what you guys have been saying, what we kind of suspected, that this is a band that should not be breaking up. And obviously they're doing it for their own personal reasons and you can't begrudge them. Fair enough. It makes sense to them. I'm sure all of them will go on to do different things and I'm sure those things will be very interesting. But this sucks, guys, because this is a fucking great record. And yeah, friends of the show, friends of ours, will say that up front for full disclosure, but you know, if we thought this was absolute crap, we probably wouldn't review it, or at least, or at least we'd skirt around it. Yeah, uh, I think this is excellent. I really, really do. And it's devastating to me to be like, oh, well, here's this great thing, and now we're gone. And okay. I think it's, it all flows so well. I mean, they were kind of drip-feeding singles, you know, week by week there for a little time, which almost felt kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know, here it is, and maybe this is contractual, I don't know. And I kind of tried to avoid some of those and see how it would work in the bigger picture. The the bigger picture is so well painted that even something like Tree of Life, which I've been fucking listening to all year, it still doesn't feel like a standout. Yeah, it's just, but it also still excites me when it yeah. comes along on track eight. No part of me is like, even on the first listen, I was like, oh, I might skip Tree of Life because I know it like the back of my hand to get to the rest of this record, and I couldn't and I didn't because it just all, as you said, Colm, it all interconnects so brilliantly. 
and this the idea of that kind of you know Scandinavian kind of thing, that kind of glacial uh, you know warmth, I guess, if such a contradiction makes sense, is here and it's present. Uh, their lyrics manage to be both. I mean, Tree of Life really kind of sums it up. Tree of Life is at once life affirming and anthemic, and also really foreboding and you know quite stark and you're like you know if you really kind of get into it but they have the ability to do that dance and, and to be but, like and what's more it, like you say it, it, it can be both life affirming and stark and also so incredibly simple as yeah. to look frankly kind of boring and asinine if you were see, if you saw those lyrics on a sheet of paper sure of course and like you say yeah for that track a track eight to be something that actually gives you a jolt, uh, yeah, kind of gives you an idea of you know the journey that this album takes you on. That you're certainly not approaching a cold. I think that's one of their strengths as well, just the simplicity of what they do. I think they're at their best nearly when they're not doing a huge amount, because they always pick the right notes and the right moments and the right phrases. Um, I mean, you know, friends of the show. So if we we're going to go into criticisms, I would say something like Temple, where they pick up the tempo a bit. Gets a bit klaxonsy for me. I loved it. Oh, did you? Okay, I thought it was great. Well, it's a bit klaxonsy for me. It was a bit East Indie Youth for me. <laughs> oh, well, okay, all right. That Fair idea enough. of like you know, kind of like a jagged, arpeggiated synth, just kind of going off and giving you a rave moment. I thought they actually earned it, and I found myself going, "Well, that's the highest point on this record. Like that's where you know it goes to eleven, and yeah. that's grand. That's fine. If every track was doing that for sure." And also, the Claxons had a couple of good songs. They did, (laughs) but you berated them before. Not to their face. (laughs) They've done all right. Yeah, no, but I kind of just like kind of reaffirm my point that I really think kind of mid-paced stuff, mid-tempo stuff. Other like in other hands, this would kind of be unassuming and maybe not that remarkable. But there's just can I say talent wins? To this band, <laughs> yeah, as in, yeah, yeah. as a strange by way of comparison, to use. as a counterpoint to this record, yeah, as sort of, I guess, pop hooks wrapped up in sort of, you know, kind of like generous use of synth and some quite busy arrangements around it. Yeah, I think the key difference, but no here, real whole kind of thing that's connecting with you. The yeah. key difference here is conviction and having something to say. Yeah, this record does. All Twins record does not. And I feel like this album, again, you got to wonder, like, when they wrote this, were they like, well, we're breaking up. I don't think they were. I, and I, I, you can totally latch that on to yeah, it if now, you want yeah, to, you though. Totally can, yeah. And I don't know, like, is that kind of like, you know, one of those kind of happy accidents? I mean, bittersweet is the, is the word that I would definitely use to sum this all up because it's just, it's such an accomplishment. And I know how excited they were to write these new songs and to play these new songs because they were playing the same set for fucking years. And you were like, this is going to be an incredible rebirth. And instead, it's a great death. And ultimately, in music, that's a fascinating prospect. It's a great story. You kind of wish there was more to it. And I think, you know, even like, you know, Craig, you're on about the idea of kind of keeping it simple. A track like Crowded Out does that for me so well because, you know, it's yeah. five minutes long and you're like, okay, this could be a bit of a struggle. When that kicks in, I defy you not to just fucking move with it sure. and like actually physically move with it. Even if you're like working at a desk or something and you got your mm-hmm. headphones on, you're going to fucking headbang, you're going to look like an idiot. But it's incredible. It actually, this is music that totally wills you to react to it. Yeah, I love the, the string introduction to uh, The Way Back where you feel it might be 
you know, a small little bit of a stripped back intro that's going to suddenly blow up into the song. And uh, no, it turns out that that's the hook that's going to form the basis yeah. uh, as, as it extends and it, and it just kind of grows around it, so to speak. Closing track, Depending of Hearts, also has a really terrific ending and a really terrific ending again for the end of the band. It's kind of like you know, that Dillinger Escape Plan record, which I know, Colm, you weren't terribly fond of, but I think you did agree that the ending was a nice exclamation point sure. for it. And we have a similar thing here. And yeah, I mean, like it's 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 weird to be sitting here and kind of being like, these guys are at the top of their game. And knowing that they're now going off into the wilderness to do something totally different, mm. you kind of hope that there could be some kind of, you know, uh, 11th hour intervention. I don't think there's going to be. I'll but... make the call, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Stop the execution. And ultimately, what a way to go for a band that deserved better and gave us a lot. And with this, have given us an awful lot more. I guess to give it a score, I'm going to go 8 out of 10. I will go along with that, I think, yeah. I'm um, eight, yeah, definitely. Eight's across the board. Uh, for Islands Apart from Funeral Suits, it's out now. And uh, yeah, if you, if you want a better idea of what it sounds like, uh, stay tuned just a couple of minutes and we'll play you out with the band themselves. If you are looking for more to listen to, all the Granted on the Week, Where the Weekend and Funeral Suits both released albums, and you busted. should not. And Busted, don't forget. What else can we recommend? I'm getting flack for that Buster review. I'm getting flack for that Buster review. This is the third time you've mentioned it on the show. Second time, isn't it? Third. Third. Definitely third. Getting flack for giving Buster a fair I'm going to have to make a fucking jingle (laughs) if you do this anymore. Dave on Busted. (laughs) (laughs) All I'm saying is it's not that bad. It's got problems. Read my review. We've all got problems. All right. What else should people be playing this week? Uh, I forgot to say this last week. Uh, We have now passed the 10th birthday of uh, one of my favourite records and a band that I adore brand new and the devil and god are raging inside me a perfect record if you ask me and yeah I mean I turned 10 I was kind of like where did the years go Uh, a real kind of formative record for me in as much as 2006 was a big year in which I finally kind of copped on a little bit and started to try and get into better music and this was one of the records that totally stood out for me I've seen them live a couple of times they were absolutely wonderful as a matter of fact by the time this podcast lands I will have seen them live, possibly for the last time ever, because they're a band that are always all, uh, kind of always on the verge of breaking up. Yeah. And they came over to Dublin about a year ago. I was shocked that they did. They had nothing really to promote at the time. And I was like, well, this is going to be it. This is definitely the end. And now they're supporting Biffy Clyro. Yeah. I'm going to see Biffy Clyro. You're not going to stay, are you? I am leaving <laughs> yeah. before say, Biffy Clyro Say hi to them from me, at least. I will. Like, nice Simon, bloke. Simon Neal seems like a good dude. Yeah. You know, they got good taste in things. You know, they're obviously into the work of Mark Zedonlewski, uh, noted Kanye West fan in your interview, mm-hmm. as you said, and some other stuff as well. But what a bad band they are. <laughs> so I can't see myself sticking it out for two hours of them. But brand new, I can't wait to see you again. And if you've never heard that record, The Devil and God Are Raging Inside Me, uh, do yourselves a favour. Brand new on their way to Three Arena this week and on his way to Three Arena for two dates uh, next year will be Bruno Mars, who has just released supported his by 20- Anderson Pack. Yeah, that that's one. That might be one, one where you I leave. I might just yeah. copy you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for the support. Actually I'd actually stay for Bruno Mars for the spectacle of it. Yeah, I suppose it'd be a bit of crack. Granted. This new record would not convince me to. It is nine tracks of him finding different ways to tell you to dance. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's weird because we were going to kind of maybe review this, but it was just so boring. But it's kind of like the interlude to Uptown Funk, but stretched over an album. Yeah, it's, you know it's, I mean? extra- it's like the breakdown. Just- but what's more, I mean, like his thesaurus must be well thumbed because <laughs> I did not know that there was this many different imploring people to just, you know, 
shake it, move it, get up. Huh. But also, it sounds like if you said to someone, hey, here's an album that sounds like Prince meets James Brown meets Boys to Men, you'd be like, fucking unreal. Yeah, it's but some cool in the gang bits there. It's, yeah, it's not exciting. It really dull and boring. And uh, shout out to friend of the show, Carla Malocco, by the way, who said that uh, the song Versace on the Floor... <laughs> Uh, he said, well, if Prince wasn't dead already, this would have killed him. <laughs> oh, <my> God. <laughs> There's a cheery way to part. Um, yeah, and listen to Kate Bush's new live CD. I haven't actually heard it yet. I've heard one CD of three. Then you really can't recommend it with a good conscience, can you? I can, because I've seen the set list, and they're all good songs. Uh, I've heard the Ninth Wave Suite, which comprises one CD. It was played on Radio 6. What a great radio station that is. And it sounded phenomenal, and I'm really upset that I've missed those shows. But yeah, check it out. That's a hell of a lot of listening for the next week. Um, you will be busy. And if you want to be even busier and tell us what you would have as your best songs and albums of the year, we are now on Twitter. Yeah, that's right. Yes. We are at No Encore Show. And do get in touch with us. Uh, as we said, we will be giving our rundown of the best albums and songs of the year in the coming weeks. And uh, yeah, we'd like to hear what you have to say about the matter. At No Encore Show. We shall see you there. We shall, and we shall end this episode with uh, Funeral Suits, who we were just discussing, because we feel it's the fitting way to go. Uh, Great band, great record. Check it out, and we'll talk about the weekend next week. This is Funeral Suits from their final ever record, Islands Apart. This is the wonderful, the beautiful Crowded Out.
HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details. 24K magic in the air. Don't use that on because I can't sing. Shifty shell shock, shifty shell shock, shifty shell shock, shifty shell shock, shifty shell shock. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.